Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to share the conversation I had with Wayne Berger. Wayne, he's the uh, Executive Vice President of Regis Canada. It's the world's largest shared workspace and co-working provider. I had the pleasure of meeting Wayne at one of Regis's downtown Toronto location to talk about his experience and leadership style. It was great hearing how he grew from a sales professional to leading an entire country's organization. I really loved hearing how he spends his time with his family and specifically the fact that he coaches his daughter's soccer team. It was interesting to hear how he was able to grow as a leader during one of the largest acquisitions of the last decade. A quick shout out to my media partners, IT World Canada, for their overwhelming support of the program. Enjoy our conversation. So Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Edwin. Really appreciate it. Congratulations to the launch of your podcast. It's very inspiring. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, First off, thank you so much for inviting me downtown to this beautiful Toronto location, like right across from the Eaton Center. I mean, it's actually my first time at this location. Uh, Tell me about it. Yeah, well, welcome to Regis uh, Dundas Square. Uh, really excited to have you here. But just to paint a picture for all your listeners, uh, we're in a building today. It's a heritage building built in 1899. The building has an extraordinary lineage. Uh, it's named the Ryrie Building, and it was built and constructed by the Ryrie Brothers, which was the city's number one jeweler, which eventually amalgamated to with Henry Bergson's sons of uh, Montreal, which is now a Canadian iconic company, uh, Burke's Jewelers. Uh, the building, as you can imagine, is right beside Dundas Square, you know, basically our Times Square, uh, beside Massey Hall, which has been an institution in Toronto for decades and across the street from the Eaton Center. And this building actually housed the very first cocktail lounge in Toronto. The LCBO provided the first liquor permit to a bar by the name of the Silver Rail, which was a Toronto institution. And here we sit. We're really proud to be in this uh, in this building and offering up an amazing co-working experience. I mean, this is this is awesome, Wayne. I mean, I might honestly, I, I might not even leave. I'm just going to do everything here. You're, you're <laughs> welcome to. Awesome. But why don't we start off with you, Wayne, just to share with the listeners a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you and, and what do you like to do? Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, I was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada, nation's capital. Uh, went to school there and grew up. And as I finished school, I wanted to continue to grow with my career and take on greater challenges. And of course, as a Canadian guy in business, our thoughts were always, if you want to make a big, you go to the biggest opportunity, which is Toronto. And uh, my apologies to all the other cities out there, uh, all great cities, no doubt. But uh, moved to Toronto, started my career in business, and uh, had a complete blast. And over the last 20 years, my career has taken me to, frankly, I think some of the greatest cities in North America, if not the world, from Toronto to Vancouver and down to um, San Diego and Denver with some time in New York and then Seattle and, and back to Toronto, which I feel is going through an incredible renaissance on a global scale. And had a great career. 
uh, have a wonderful family, two young daughters, and, uh, and a great partner at home, and uh, really living the dream every day. That's so amazing. That's great. And it sounds like you spent some time in amazing cities, so I'm glad to, I'm sure Toronto and, and your family are, are happy to be here as well. But uh, let, let's start off with, with Regis. Uh, tell us about your, your current role. What are you trying to do and what, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, absolutely. So my role, I'm the Executive Vice President for Regis Canada. Uh, Regis is the world's largest shared workspace and co-working facility uh, with 3,000 locations across 900 cities and 120 countries around the world. Uh, I'll tell you, my goal is to provide the best possible experience for every entrepreneur and every business out there. Our goal is to lead a workplace revolution. We want to ensure that every single client can conduct the best work of their lives every single day. My personal goal in leading the business across the country is to ensure that we have amazing team members across uh, every single location that are engaged, excited, and ready to provide a great level of service to every single one of our clients. Uh, we support tens of thousands of clients every year across the country uh, with 101 locations and growing. So it's been an exceptional ride in a uh, very fun industry that is evolving every day. No, that's that's great. I know, and I'm really going to get into it a bit right now. Regis is, is experiencing massive growth. You just mentioned you're at 101 locations at this point, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're, you're probably adding to that. Yep. But what what I'm curious to find out is if you could tell me the challenge of leading that distributed workforce or that distributed organization and all these team members you have scattered across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point, when you take on the type of growth based on market demands, uh, it presents an incredible amount of opportunity, but it also presents some nuances and, and some areas of challenges that you have to overcome. Over the last three years, I've been with the organization now for three years, we've had a tremendous vision. And that is, as I mentioned, to ensure that we provide the best possible work environment for every single one of our clients. Um, part of that means you have to have the right locations on a geographic scale. Three years ago, we had 50 locations here in Canada. We're now at 101. We're adding more locations and we're also launching a new brand named Spaces, uh, which is going to provide a tremendous, vibrant community uh, for entrepreneurs and startups right through to the Fortune 500 companies on a global scale. And um, it's going to provide everything from great coffee houses to wonderful collaborative co-working areas to all the private space that people need right through to a great rooftop patio. So when you have a vision and it's growing, it's powerful and it's exciting. But to your point, it does provide some challenges you have to overcome. And one of those is as you take on that level of growth is to ensure that everybody's focused on the right core attributes of what we need to do every single day to manage your current business, of which was a strong $100 million business, and also continue to accelerate and bring on new locations, introducing those locations to the markets that we're opening in. So to give you an idea, three years ago, we were in 20 cities across the country. We're now in 42 So that requires a tremendous amount of effort, hiring the right people, identifying the right core competencies and skills in the people that we want representing the brand every single day, making sure that people are aligned with our values, and ensuring that they're trained effectively while we're opening up literally two locations every single month 
introducing companies that walk in who want to focus on their absolute core competencies and not get involved in the other operational aspects of their business, which is our job, right? So all those combined present an incredible, incredible adventure. Wow, that's amazing. First off, congratulations for basically doubling up in the last three years, not only with the number of spaces, but with the with the cities that uh, Regis is representing at this time. Can you tell me, was this a mandate that you brought in when you when you came in or or was this put upon you from the leadership team beforehand it's a combination of multiple factors uh one we knew that although we had 50 locations across the country we were still underrepresented so for example today in just the greater toronto area we have 47 locations at that time we only had 20 locations our occupancy levels were high and our demand levels are high but what's interesting is Every time we work with a client, it's amazing how people appreciate the locations they're in and the communities they're in, but they're also asking us, hey, are you planning on opening in different areas? Like, for example, we have great exposure and, and great services in the city of Vancouver, for example, but we would receive on an ongoing basis requests for areas like Port Moody, BC, and South Surrey, and Langley, and and Burnaby, you know, even though we have two locations in Burnaby, we get more requests for not just in the city, but actually in like micro markets or as cities are building new aspirational work, live, play neighborhoods. Uh, our clients are coming to us saying, Hey, are, are you, are you planning on launching any new locations and any new communities that we can coordinate and work out of that is close to our house or close to where our, our team members or clients want to travel to? So one is what we're hearing from our clients. Two, uh, it's just an economic life cycle. Right. We're really blessed. And, and I'm excited about this piece, which I feel that very few people in their careers and their lives have a chance to work in an industry that is early stage, embryonic, working for an organization that is visionary and creating and really shifting how people live and work every single day. So when you have, when you have the opportunity to work within that type of economy, plus you have a market demand, plus you have specific client demands, and your established business is doing well, I, I believe you actually have a, a real responsibility to continue to take calculated risks and grow that business to continue to increase your solutions for clients. Because uh, the renaissance of what's taking place in this industry is only going to continue to grow. I mean, that's amazing. And, and it's definitely kudos to you. I mean, having a vision and a goal uh, it only goes so far as to the person leading it and, and really helping grow. I mean, you doubled locations. You must have at least almost doubled your 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 the number of employees as well, mm. and, and training and really being hands on. Like, tell me a bit about that with yourself. How, how do you take that on yourself? Well, for myself, uh, every day is a new day of learning. Uh, you know, I think it's very very important that. What I try to do is every morning when I wake up, I'm constantly trying to find areas that I can improve and also areas that our business and our teams can, can continue to improve. As committed as we are to developing team members and future leaders, uh, we still have great areas of opportunity for growth because our business moves quickly. You know, our goal is to ensure that we have as many people, not just stable and operationally proficient, but also really ready to provide the greatest experience they can to every single client. That takes work, 
right? So it takes, it takes people that have the right foundational attitude and drive, but then you have to teach them a tremendous amount of just skills, right? What's interesting about our business is there's an aspirational side to it. You know, in all of our 101 locations here in Canada and growing, every single one of those locations has its own community. Uh, and that community is built by the clients that reside in that, in that location, as well as the team, right? They establish the community. They evolve the community. Uh, I'm just blessed that I get to go to every location. Um, but from there, outside of establishing that great aspirational community where people can network, collaborate, work together and innovate, uh, and drive great productivity, the business is also heavily task driven. Cause you can imagine in, in the location we're in right now, you know, there are you know, 50 companies that all have individual needs and they're here because they're in states of growth or states of evolution. And they're here because they only want to focus on their core focus and their core competency, which means we have a responsibility to focus on all the other areas of their business. So that takes a lot of operational focus, which sometimes drives a tremendous, tremendously large task list. So you have to marry aspirational focus as well as making sure that people are operationally uh, proficient. So it requires great induction schedules. It requires ongoing day-to-day training and coaching from, uh, from team members and peers and the management team. And then it also requires a multiple types of avenues where we can teach people from one-on-one to classroom-based to online learning techniques as well. Great, great. That's, I mean, so much to learn. I'm just just hearing all everything that needs to be done outside of your own business and I me thinking about my own business as well and it's true you, you only want to focus on your core competencies which typically if it's not getting new customers it's ensuring that your customers are happy and getting paid as well so you don't want to worry about the location that you're in and if that's all taking care of that it's such a great service and it's a marrying of two 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 types of companies right so mm-hmm. it's an awesome agreement so what fascinates me is typically when when I hear how business leaders like yourself got to where they were today. So before landing at your current role here at Regis, your career primarily focused within a sales organization. Can you share to us how your experience within a sales-driven organization helped you grow as, as a leader or as the person you are today? That's yeah, a great question. Um, you know, I look back, I really find that my, my career has been a great adventure. And I feel really blessed. I've worked for amazing companies. I've had great leaders and great mentors. And I think that's helped me uh, in where I am today. Uh, in terms of how my sales background, my sales leadership background has helped me in the position I am today, I think there's some real key pieces. So having spent time in really 17 years in a sales capacity, uh, a few things really drive you know a lot of the changes and a lot of the focus. Um, one is to be successful in sales. The best salespeople, sometimes people think about the best salespeople being incredibly charismatic. You know, the best salespeople are execution focused. They're fantastic listeners and they really understand and develop needs. Like many times it's taking an implied need and really diving in to understand the implication around needs and build an explicit need. So the best sales professionals really work hard at listening, uncovering, and then they're fanatical at 
execution because really in sales, what's incredible about sales is it's very black and white. You know when you're achieving and you know when you're not achieving. And you have the opportunity where really there's no ceiling. You can grow at an incredible capacity. And if you're failing, you're easily exposed. And for some people, that's really challenging. But for others, it's very empowering because you're the master of your destiny at that point. And if you're focused, if you're driven towards execution, and then frankly, if people trust you and, the, and trust is built through follow through, um, you can have tremendous success. So what I love about it is it's also results driven, right? So you think about leading organizations, right? The best leaders drive and empower people to, to build incredible results. Uh, and it comes in a number of different capacities through people, through culture, and through profits and revenue, right? So, and you really need a marriage of all in order to drive a great organization. When you start in a sales capacity, you become, you become hardwired to a point where results is critical in order to be able to move forward. And as you transition from an individual contributor in sales to a sales leader, then you have to learn how do I pull Together, a group of people to drive a collective level of results versus being able to do it all on my own, right? So through that path, I was really blessed. I started as an individual territory manager knocking on doors every single day. My, my very first day in sales in my new territory was literally January 2nd mm. and it was cold. It was snowy. But I had a mission that day. My, that day, I wanted to open up my first new account. The reality with days like that is there's nothing open because people are carrying through holidays. But I found a place that was open, went in, identified a need, opened it up. And at that point, you really start to drive towards a great result, right? I had a great experience through uh, my individual sales roles. But I've always had a higher level passion and purpose in helping people achieve their goals. You know, I live by a, a real core mantra every single day, right? My goal in my passion resides in really achieving a dream that, that nobody else can really truly think of, right? I want to drive an excellent level of success. And then my goal every single day is helping people achieve the dreams that they don't even know exist yet. Right. Helping them go to bed on Sunday, excited about Monday. Cause if you build an engaged organization of people that are excited and are powerful and are driving towards higher purpose, everything else you do falls into line. So for me, from moving from an individual sales role into a sales management role, leading my first team, then having a chance to work with great organizations, um, like Staples and McKinsey. And moving into director roles and then VP roles and executive roles, all in a sales capacity, it helped me understand and learn how to not just drive great results as an individual, but then continue to drive great results through an organization, whether your team is eight strong or frankly, thousand people strong at that point. I love that. I, I love that how the purpose that you mentioned, how you just want to help people achieve their goals, it almost transcends from your first sales job where you're trying to help your customers achieve their goal. And when you move up, you're helping your employees, which want them to help their customers. And now you here at Regis, you're helping 
all these companies achieve their goals as well by providing an amazing service and, and the best place to work. So, so that's great. One thing I'm really curious about, and it, and maybe you answered it, and I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking out loud here is each step you took, was it a seamless transition or did you have to learn how to manage that eight, eight people, how to manage the 50 people and then now a distributed company? Like how did, how did you grow each mm-hmm. step? It's never a seamless transition, right? There's no doubt about it. And but what's interesting is what I've found through my last 20 years and what I encourage amongst my team, I'm a massive believer in taking calculator rests. I've been blessed to have a chance to live in great cities and take my families on a career adventure. And to me, it required taking a calculator risk every time. And you know, there's always that old adage where people are fearful of change, right? And the reality is today, we live in such a revolutionary environment. I mean, the, the idea of even just accepting change and embracing change doesn't even exist any longer. You, you actually need to really drive and lead change and evolution because the world is shifting at such a dramatic pace, which is really exciting. So when you think about each one of those steps, each one of those steps, there were days where when you're transitioning from you know an individual role to your first sales team to your region to a country right to a general management role leading an organization in all cross functions from sales customer service operations finance everything else um there are days where you're going to take a step back and you're going to have to take a breath and i can promise you most leaders will look and say okay how am I going to handle this moment right now? And this can feel overwhelming. Those are the days where, one, you need to come back and work backwards and understand your next steps, what your gaps are, what your opportunities are, and what you're trying to achieve. And those are the days where we grow at the highest level possible. I firmly believe that the minute you stop having those types of days where you're aspiring to a great vision and a great goal. And some days are challenging. When the days are, the days that are challenging is you manage through those and you come to a great outcome. The days that are just moving so well feel so powerful. And those challenging days are the days where you're really immersing yourself in your own development and you're allowing yourself to develop at a higher and faster rate as a leader and as a person that you ever have before. So I think if I was in a situation where my transition was seamless, I would either A, feel like I'm, I actually haven't set my goals high enough, uh, and frankly, my team's goals high enough, or it's time for a new opportunity, right? No, that's right. And it sounds like you were, I know we were talking before the interview, before we pressed record, that it was, it's all timing and luck to find these opportunities and these transitions as well. And one thing I thought was really interesting when I, when I was looking through your career, that when you were at Staples, you went through one of the largest acquisitions in the decade mm-hmm. of Corporate Express. So now you're in an organization that's being acquired what I'm curious to find out as a leader, what were your biggest challenges? Maybe your opportunities that you, that you had to do to help you grow as a leader and maybe even help your team transition during that, during that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting time. 
Um, there's no doubt. And I really remember it like it was yesterday. And both companies were great companies with Corporate Express and, and then Staples. And I can recall one of the areas that I really had to focus on was during this transition, and it was one of the largest acquisitions that took place over that decade. What was interesting about it was um, certainly you can imagine the work that goes into bringing together two multi-billion dollar companies and bringing together a leadership organization in those two organizations. And as much as there is a communicative message around the fact that we're going to marry the two organizations together and leverage the top talent and the best practices. Sometimes there's an undermining element of what takes place underneath kind of the, the, the core message. And some people can get caught up on that. And it relates back to you know, one of the messages I just mentioned earlier on, which is this notion of change. I couldn't remember when the acquisition took place. Uh, there was a great mentor of mine who is a very strong leader. But we had a conversation one day and, and we we're all at that point, we were being acquired. And we were, of course, like many people, wondering, okay, what does this mean for us? And this person had a conversation with me and said, well, Wayne, one thing for you to know, you're not a Staples guy. You'll never be a Staples guy. You don't bleed red. They know that. Uh, and you'll never be able to achieve that within the organization. And it was an interesting message that I had to, that I had to pay attention to. And then recognize that it's the wrong message, right? As an individual, whether you're a leader leading a large organization or an individual contributor, I needed to go into that acquisition with my eyes open. And I had enough confidence in my capabilities that I said to myself, look, I know who I am. I know the level of performance that I can achieve. I'm excited about this opportunity. It's a new opportunity. What the, what we all decide to do on at the at at the final stage is fine, but right now I'm going to keep my eyes open, and I'm going to see what I can create here at Staples, and uh, and I proceeded. I worked for Staples for uh, over eight years through that process, and uh, and I had an amazing experience at Staples, and I think one of the one of the great feelings of uh, of accomplishment outside of growing in the organization and transitioning from the US back to Canada to lead our commercial sales sales organization in Canada which we had a, a wonderful run and a great experience in one of the best symbols of success was one day I transitioned from one director role to a different director role and I joined on one of my first conference calls and I was meeting all of my peer directors for the first time on the call and my boss at the time was introducing me and they all were shocked. They all said, wow, Wayne, we always thought you were a Staples guy. We had no idea you came from Corporate Express. And it was so funny to hear that type of message. But what was really powerful was that I took the opportunity to you know, keep a level head, focus, and understand that regardless of where you're at and the situation you're in, you can drive great performance. And one of the messages I had for my organization was shadow of the leader especially during times like that, during an acquisition where you know, there are a lot of questions and there are a lot of insecurities and there are a lot of concerns. Many times those questions and concerns can become self-inflicted 
and frankly lead people down a path, whether they subconsciously or consciously end up planning on going down. One of the areas I mentioned to my team and my people leaders was shadow the leader, which means you cast a large shadow. So everything you do, everything you say, and everything people are looking to see what you want to say will be analyzed and overanalyzed. So if you feel like this is not a good thing, if you are questioning it, it will have a complete trickle-down effect. So my goal was to ensure that I kept an open mind and I looked at it from a positive frame of reference and I wanted to leverage the power of what this acquisition was going to create. And the amazing thing was having that outlook led to a fantastic career at uh, at Staples. And and then frankly, led me to where I am today at Regis, which has been every second, not just every day, every second, an incredible adventure. So I feel really blessed. No, that, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, it's definitely a difficult time when you're part of the uh, company that's getting acquired. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure, like you mentioned, there's a lot of undermining and, and people are upset. People are worried about their jobs, their lifestyle. And I just really love how you took that higher road and and i love that phrase shadow the leader that i mean that's so important your energy or your your verbiage that you use people listen to it and really hear that and it's very important as a leader or someone who who people are looking up to is be conscious about about what you're putting out there so thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that i mean that that's that's an amazing amazing story so i'm gonna i'm gonna change it up a little bit um i know you and i we we share some of the love for 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 running. You're an avid marathoner. We're both runners. We're both I'm, runners. I'm an avid marathoner, no doubt. And, and funny, both Wayne and I actually ran the same New York marathon as well. We found out uh, before this interview, so which is pretty amazing. I watched you run right by me. I was. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I and, said we'll get back together one day on a podcast, and we caught up. But you're also a soccer coach. You yes. travel, you love to travel, and obviously you spend a lot of time with your family of two daughters. So along with this running of a company that's distributed across the country, can you tell me how you find the time to do everything you love mm-hmm. while leading th- this organization? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a big part of it is just being conscientious on priorities. Uh, I had a great mentor once that uh, we gathered together, and he shared with me, his own priority management technique. And um, he mentioned to me that we all have three worlds. And this is going to be, may sound overly simplistic, but we all have three worlds. You have your career, you have your personal family, then you have your social, right? You can function in all three and, and have a great experience in all three. But to really accomplish your goals, you got to do two really well. So you have to choose the two. I chose my career and my passion for organizational success and my family. So everything I do is prioritized around those two core areas. I love running for a few reasons why, right? One, to be brutally honest, I love a great meal, a nice glass of red wine. And when I get to run, it just helps out, right? Um, two, I love the marathon. Um, if you had asked me six years ago if I ever ran, if I would ever run a marathon, I would have told you absolutely not. Why would I want to run a race that was symbolically named after the individual who died delivering a message, right? And I've run 26 marathons since in the last six years. 
including some amazing marathons in Seattle and in New York and Chicago, which I know you're running this year in Disney, which is a blast. And then, you know, a number of marathons in Toronto and in Canada. Um, what I love about it is your body physically is challenged after 20 miles. At that point, from 20 miles to mile 26.2 or kilometer 42.2, it's all between the ears. It's a head game at that point. And you have to, you have to inspire yourself and drive across that finish line. And boy, there's no greater feeling than finishing across the finish line or having an exceptional year of growth and performance. So how I try to manage my time is I really try to prioritize sometimes really to the minute. I invest a tremendous amount of hours in my responsibilities here at Regis and Spaces. I invest a lot of time with my teams and my people. And then outside of that, what's important for me is to really maximize every day. The reason why I coach soccer is because my girls play soccer. And I've never played a minute of soccer. But I'll tell you what, I've been coaching soccer for the last four years because I want to ensure that I have that opportunity to spend time with my with my daughters in a different capacity. And frankly, one of my daughters now, Aiden, is 12 years old. And now it's actually as equally important when you see them in a team setting to help teach them, you know, great soccer skills and really the passion and power to win and have fun. But we're also actually formulating their future lives as leaders as well. So it's kind of funny. You, you have a chance to help ingrain, hopefully with them, great discipline and teamwork and leadership while you're having a great time on the soccer pitch. And I want to do that with my girls at this point, knowing that you know everything moves so quickly. And there's a point where they're going to transition out either to maybe a different sport or a different activity. My other daughter, Meredith, is in dance. I can promise you, I can't be a dance teacher. So where the opportunities are that I can, that I can really invest myself, I make it a priority to ensure that I can invest that time with my family in different types of activities. And then my other component is, um, is working at my passion at Regis and Spaces. And then I always try to find some time to run because I get my best strategic thinking done on a run while I'm making sure I keep myself in good physical shape. That's a truly amazing way. And I mean, you're an inspiration to everyone who's listening out there. And quick story, and I'm sure your daughters will thank you. My father coached my soccer, my football teams when I was younger, and he never played football or soccer. And, you know, he studied, he learned how to coach as well. And, and it was some good times. And, and it started a good long relationship that I still have with my father and we still do things together and, and we spend time. So that's a thankless gift that you're doing, giving to your children, but you're also teaching them and, and you're growing as well, managing these 12 year olds so to cool. work together. That's, that's, it's so cool. that's, that's amazing. And, 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 and I'm sure what you're doing there and how you're training 12 years old, you probably could bring some of that back to work as well. hundred percent. You know, it's interesting when you look at our business, what's amazing about this industry, Edwin, is we're going through a complete renaissance in how people live and work. Five years ago, the idea of working in a flexible working environment and not traveling to one location every single day was novel. 
right? It was existing, but it was still a novel idea. And this whole co-working movement has dramatically shifted over the last couple of years. And what's really cool about it is just two years ago, there was a study conducted that, um, that discussed the idea and the benefits of, uh, of working from a, from a flexible environment. And at that time, 50% of Canadians liked the idea and the concept of being able to work from an area outside of their traditional corporate headquarters. Today, fast forward two years, over 70% of Canadians not just like the idea, but now make it a mandatory part of their job search. And it's shifting for a lot of reasons. One, technology is a massive enabler in our hands. You can conduct the best work of your life utilizing a tool in the palm of your hand. Right? It's remarkable. The other piece is companies are recognizing that you know there's a shift towards work-life balance. Not that people want to be less focused on work, but people are recognizing there's a new definition of productivity. You can be more productive in various environments that meet the need that you have that day versus having to deal with travel and traffic. And there's also a sustainability component to that. So the amazing thing now is this great fundamental shift in how people live and work. And what, what futurists are saying is that by the year 2040, most job roles will be contingent or contract and companies are going to utilize and consume space, not own space or lease space. And space will be designed specifically around the project or the task at hand. I relate it to my life right now that I work from dozens of environments every single month. I don't work during the day from home because I don't find it a productive environment for myself, but I work from multiple locations and I'm blessed because I have access to 101 of some of the best locations in Canada. I'm biased, but I believe it. And you're seeing this real revolution take place. So with that, what we try to do with our team, back to your question is, you know, we want them not just to be experts at the function, right? Just like you ask a group of eight, 12 year old soccer players to get on the field and function through their positions and, and really pay attention. This is higher purpose, right? We want function is, is key. It's critical because we have to do a great job. But what we try to build across the country or 300 team members across the country is one culture is one identity and really help people inspire that great workplace movement. So when you have higher purpose, it results in a greater result, whether it's on the pitch or whether it's in an organization, right? Absolutely key. I love that. I really, I really appreciate where you're taking all your learnings from and bringing it all and wrapping it up to the two priorities that, that you hold dearly to your heart. But eh, Wayne, to be honest, I'm, and I think I probably said this to you earlier, we probably could talk for hours, but I guess before we end, can you share perhaps some final thoughts, any actionable recommendations for, for the future business leaders that are, that are looking to grow their career and perhaps follow something that you've done? Absolutely. A few things. One, treat your career as an adventure. I, 
many times what happens is I think people fall into a situation where they start what they feel is their career, but it ends up being a job, right? And a job is a means to an end, right? To accomplish other areas. And that's okay. But if you have that aspiration to grow, you have to have great goals, right? You have to make sure that the old saying, smart goals, and make sure you write them down, have a vision, have great goals, and then don't be afraid to take calculator risks. The way I looked at my career early on, you know, I had real foundational moments in my life when I was young that I made a decision at a young age that I wasn't going to waste a second of my life. Really key piece. And I started to bring that over to my career as I started really developing my career. And if you treat your career as an adventure, you have a wonderful opportunity to take a risk that most people wouldn't take. And those risks that I've taken, were they tough? Yeah, sure. Um, I've recognized that my personality is I like being a builder. I like going into challenging situations and I like to understand what the opportunity is and I like to build a plan and a vision and I like to inspire and incite the right people to come together and achieve something they never thought they'd be able to achieve. Right? That to me is a great experience. And you can do that if you really drive that focus on adventure. Um, the other piece is, and so in an adventure will take you to so many different places and really now on a global scale, right? I look at my opportunity. I've lived in great cities. I've spent my time in North America. You know, I want to continue to grow in an organization as the world continues to shrink, right? I will we'll always want that next great career adventure. And I have one right now, which is, you know, excites me every single morning and every single minute. I think the other big piece is, don't be afraid to fail. Absolutely key. One of the blessings that we have in North America is, you know, we have a chance to recreate ourselves at any given point. One of the things we try to practice here at Regis in Canada is we try to make sure that we support and celebrate failure because it happens. It's okay. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Obviously, your successes need to outnumber your failures, of course. All right. And we have a financial shareholder responsibility to build a great organization. And we have a cultural responsibility to build a great culture. But you have to be excited and be willing to fail because your best successes will come from the learnings that you extract from your failure. Right. If you look at your failure pragmatically and you break it down backwards and you rebuild towards a new solution, it's amazing what you can learn. So you've got to be excited about failing. Nothing's wrong with taking a career step and it doesn't work out. That's okay. You tried. The great thing is the next opportunity is right around the corner. The last piece is be a developer of people. I mentioned it earlier on. My passion is people. Did I think that my career path would take me here today? No. As a matter of fact, I spent 17 years in in an industry and I was at a level where I could have spent the remaining amount of my years in, in my career. And I was at a point where, you know, it would have been safe to do so. But there was a time to take the next calculator risk, right? And And for me, developing people has been the constant Right? Moving to a completely new industry, you don't have any functional knowledge and expertise. You're surrounded by people who've been doing it for a long time. I had to learn from them. 
But my goal is to ensure that I can maximize the potential of people every single day, right? So to me, you know, being a great developer of people, having the approach of selfless leadership, which means driving high accountability, providing great recognition when recognized, and making sure that you always put people first, driving towards that point of building an environment where they can go to bed on Sunday, excited about Monday, you're a great developer of people who's committed to great goals. The results, if you're driving towards them, will follow. So those three pieces, careers and adventure, don't be afraid to fail and develop our people, I think are critical pieces. And then you have an opportunity to capture whatever you want, whatever you want to do in your career. That's awesome, Wayne. And definitely thank you for sharing those actionable items. And, and I think a lot of people out there who's listening could take that home as well. So to close, Wayne, why don't you please tell us a little bit where we could find more information about you, Regis Canada, Spaces. And by the way, I forgot to mention earlier, I live across the, the new location of Spaces, downtown Toronto on John Street. And you might appreciate this. I did a time lapse when they took down the the, the crane. Amazing. Yes. I hit over, over a thousand hits, but I might have to share <laughs> that with you just so I get more hits on YouTube. But it's amazing. And maybe other marathons that you're running. I mean, you're at 26 now, so definitely inspirational for me. Absolutely. So marathon first. My next marathon, I'll probably run the Toronto Good Life here. That's coming up in May because I love the course. Um, I didn't get into New York this year, so, but I'll continue to because I've run it twice and it's one of my favorites. And then I'm really excited about the Prince Edward County Marathon that's coming up in October. Beautiful place to be. You get to run through vineyards and, you know, phenomenal towns like Wellington, Bloomfield and, and Picton. So I'm excited about that. Um, to your point on, on spaces, man, we are excited, Edwin. Uh, we're opening up two locations, one here in Queen West. Another one in Gastown in Vancouver in an iconic building, heritage building that is being resurrected. And um, to all startups, all tech companies, all global companies, come out and be part of the Spaces vibe and the Spaces community. The building that we have here right outside where you have the time lapse will be eight floors, glass atrium, and rooftop patio, but is going to be an environment that will drive incredible vibrancy and community. We're partnering with a great indie coffee shop uh, to coordinate uh, a wonderful, great, great feel as you walk into the location. Five, it'll be able to house 500 people in the one location, which will will provide a great source of innovation, collaboration, and uh, and, and and real community environment. So excited about that, and we're going to continue to grow that brand as well as continue to grow our Regis solution across the country. And lastly, where you can find me, uh, you can find me at, at Wayne Berger on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Connect with me. Always happy to connect together and partner. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and www.regis.ca or our Regis app is where you can find all the information you need on our company and what we try to do to help you make the best work of your life. Awesome. And I'll definitely put up the links on the episode website. And again, it was a pleasure, Wayne. Thank you for joining the show. Thanks, Edwin. All the best. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I learned quite a bit about the co-working space and how the world is changing. It actually aligns to what we believe at Slingshot with the distributed workforce and people wanting to work from home. 
So if you ever get a chance to visit Regis and their new spaces, I would recommend it. It's, it's pretty awesome. And for more information about this episode and any links that we put up, go to my website, thebusinessleadership.com slash 008. Thank you for joining me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave me a comment. I'm excited to hear from you. Until next week, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.